Good morning. It's a privilege for for me to be here and to uh, meet all of you face to face. My wife sent her greetings. Uh, unfortunately, she couldn't accompany me. Uh, we have three children, and they are in school in Canada. So she has to uh, stay home and look after them while I'm here uh, for the time being. In the will of the Lord, we will be going back to Ghana in July for uh, two more uh, years. So we appreciate your prayers and probably giving a report in the evening. Shall we turn to First John chapter 5? First John chapter 5, I believe... Uh, this is where you have been studying uh, for some time and uh, I was asked if I could um, prepare a message regarding this chapter and see how the Lord, the Spirit of God will lead us. First John chapter 5, but for connection's sake, um, we shall read from verse 17 of chapter 4, uh, verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has has not been made perfect in love. We know him because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Whoever believes that Jesus is the the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who has been begotten also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that we, we have that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he who came by water and blood Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the Word, and the blood, and these three agree as one. 
If anyone receives witness of men, the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony of that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given as eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now this I say, and now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if anyone asks anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. If anyone sees his brother sin in a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask, and he will give him life uh, for, for those who commit sin, not leading to death. There is, sin, there is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about, it, about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and that the whole world and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in this in his son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Let our children keep yourselves from idols. Amen. The background of this um, book is very interesting, and I'm sure perhaps uh, the previous speakers have uh, already explained the time that Apostle John wrote uh, his epistle or his letters. There has been uh, we will call some fashions or some groups that has risen up uh, toward the end of the first century. Apostle John was, as far as uh, history is concerned, was the last uh, of the apostles um, who lived. Most of them died uh, a matter death. They uh, persecuted them and beheaded some of them, some were crucified. Uh, history tells us that Peter was crucified uh, upside down. Uh, John was sent to the island of Patmos, persecuted um, in, in, a, in just a gruesome way. Uh, but the Spirit of God kept him alive, and he wrote his epistles, uh, letters to encourage the Christians in, uh, before he also departed from the scene of time. In his days, there was a group that was quite, um, uh, quite uh, 
uh, gaining momentum. And that group uh, was known as Gnostic, as a Gnosticism. They came up with an idea that they they they, uh, they believe that um, Jesus Christ uh, came into the scene of time. He came um, when he came into the world. He came as uh, as the sent one, but the Holy Spirit came upon him when he was baptized, and he left. The Holy Spirit left him just before he went to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so they, they believe that Jesus uh, is a human. They separated Jesus from his uh, deity. So they believe that Jesus died, but the Christ did not die. That was a, a false teaching. It's very, very important to understand that what they believe and what they practiced. They believe that Jesus died as a man, but Christ did not die. And, and, and this is a teaching that uh, Apostle uh, John, led by the Holy Spirit, was led to write and teach and to uh, refute uh, the, uh, the notions that the Gnostic had in those days. So that's our background of the, um, or, or the, or the epistle. So uh, as you read through this, uh, this uh, epistle, you can see test after test. John, very, you know, he writes in such a way that he, uh, he, he just puts you to the, uh, he brings you to a point where you need to ask yourself where you stand with God. And so he talks about different things that sometimes when you read, you ask yourself, um, what, what is he trying to get? Sometimes it's a little bit hard to uh, understand where he's coming from, but if you follow it carefully, you will. The Spirit of God reveals things as you go, it goes along. Now, John talks about love. He was apostle of love. Uh, in, his, in, his, in his writings, he wrote the gospel, and he wrote what we have here. Uh, he talks a lot about uh, love. For God so loved the world, is, is a quotation that Apostle John is the one who uh, penned it uh, as he wrote his epistle. Now, when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, when, uh, when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible makes it clear that was fully God and fully man. You cannot separate his deity from his, uh, his person. And neither can you separate his uh, as a, a person, as a human, uh, from his deity. It's a mystery that a uh, finite mind uh, cannot comprehend. God is infinite. Now, how can we finite mind able to uh, uh, explain the infinite? And so you have to accept it by faith as being revealed in the word of God. And so the Gnostic, uh, the Gnostic uh, practice, they, they, they try to separate the person of Christ, uh, his personality as a humanity from his deity. And that was impossible. Now just think for a moment in the Gospels. On one mo- in one moment, you see the Lord Jesus Christ as a man, tired, and laying down in a boat, uh, taking rest. Just one moment. In the next moment, we see him standing up and rebuking uh, the storm. And the scripture said there was a great calm. Who can do that? 
in one moment you see his humanity sleeping tired sleeping in the boat we all need sleep ladies if you don't get your 8 hours sleep do you function well no so we all need uh, at least a few hours of sleep as a human you see him tired laying down and as God in a second a few seconds you see him speaking to his creation rebuking the storms and there was a great calm who can do that that shows the deity the, the blend of deity and humanity of Christ together you cannot separate uh, one from the other in a way so John talks about it and, and, and it comes here and said particularly in verse 5 whoever believes whoever believes that Jesus uh, is a is Christ is born of God now the belief that John is talking about here is not just a mental assent or just a, a mental agreement he is talking about a belief that uh, indeed is um, is a belief that um, is not just intellectual agreement that you can believe but you don't uh, your life doesn't back it up what you believe that's not what John is talking about here he's talking about a belief uh, that, uh, uh, that you really commit to what you believe and that's the kind of belief he's talking about here whoever believes that Jesus is uh, Christ is born of God the born again to be, uh, we, to be born again is a very important subject in the scripture the Lord Jesus Christ taught it he taught it to the religious first he mentioned that way to the religious person a man who was uh, well established in his knowledge from the Old Testament and he called me you are the teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things you must be born again where John said whoever believes committed to believe means you commit to that belief you back it up with your life you trust uh, Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior you believe that he is a son of God he is a son of God eternal son of God whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and then he goes on to say that um, uh, and, and here John is trying to establish particularly from verses 17 to 21 of chapter 4 he is trying to establish um, uh, uh, establish what we call as the doctrine uh, or the test of faith and, and, and so anyone that has been born of God will have what, what we call uh, indwelled because God is love and he indwelled he, he imprint love in all his children behold what manner of love the father has bestowed or the father has placed upon us that we should be called the children of God or the sons of God and so uh, it does what, what he has already said uh, you can see pockets of it as he goes along he comes to a conclusion of his, his epistle that whoever has been born of God loves he loved uh, the one who loves him the love for God once we are, we've been born again once we are born again you have love for, uh, for God but also have love for the people of God I remember in my own life um, 
I was born in I was born in, in Ghana, West Africa, and I came to Canada in 1988. And when I came, I thought I was a Christian. I met many people. I used to go to church and, and did all that, you know, Christians do. And I was trying to fit in. I had all the head knowledge, but there was no hard belief. If you quote a Bible verse, I will finish it for you. If you start telling the story from the Bible, I will probably finish the story for you. I had all the head knowledge, but no hard belief. But one thing that I also struggled with at the time was love. Love for uh, everyone. Yes, I love my family, I love people, I love friends. But there came to a time that when uh, I could tell in my own self that the love that I have for people had a, is limited. Because there were times that I had to justify myself, I had to show who I, was, who I really was. And, and not in a positive way. So you can tell, but once I became a believer, the moment I received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, I could tell that things were changing my life. I could tell that things were different in my own life. And people told me that too. And so uh, that shows that once you, you, you have the love of God, uh, as a child of God, you also demonstrate it in your life that you are a child of God. It shows it because the Father has implanted it in you, has implanted it in me. The other thing that we also have is that we have, we have obedience. Children of God, once we are born again, we have obedience. And it says that, uh, it said, verse 2, that by this we know that we have, we love the children of God. We love those who have been born uh, in, in the family. We love them. Uh, but we also, we keep His commandments. We keep His commandments. The commandments of God, are, uh, he said, his commandments are not burdensome. And we'll get to that. We keep his commandments. It's something that we love to do. As children of God, we love to do. I love to, you want to be obedient to your father. You want to be obedient to your mom. You love to be, you want to be obedient to your parents. And that's a natural thing to do. But this is, we're not talking about a natural here. We're talking about a spiritual. Because we have been born, being born again is a spiritual thing. You're born from above. And so, who is our Father? Our Heavenly Father. Don't we pray like that? Our Heavenly Father. Our Father in Heaven. I work with children, many, many, many uh, teenagers and so on, in Ghana who have no fathers. They have fathers to father them, to bring them to the world, but they have no fathers to look up to, to raise them up. And many of them look up to me. Even before I was married, they would look up to me as father, a figure. And, and I often, you know, comfort them, refer them to our Heavenly Father. That we all have a Father who loves us and cares for us. We may not have an earthly Father who loves us and cares for us. Or who, but we have a Father who loves us. And here, once you are born again, you can comfortably say, our Heavenly Father. And you want to be obedient to your Heavenly Father. And that's what John is saying here. So it's a, it's, a, it's a supernatural thing for every born again believer to be obedient. You want to be obedient. You, and the moment you disobey, you feel it. Your spirit, your spirit 
is, it never get rest when we disobey uh, and do go on, on our own ways. We feel it. We, we, we feel uh, the guilt and, and the remorse. But when we are obedient, we are happy. We are happy. And, and this is what John is driving, uh, trying to drive home. He said, um, we born uh, of God. We, we, we have inclination to obey there are times that the, the, the natural part of all this will try to, um, to pull us away and we get to that too as we go along. But it is our desire, it should be our desire to obey our Heavenly Father and obey His word, His commandments. And uh, John um, uh, it, it, it drives that to our, uh, uh, to our view, brings that to our view. His commandments are not difficult. God's commandments are not difficult. They are not burdensome. It should be something that we, as I say, we, we should just take a delight in doing what God wants us to do. And it should, it, when we do it, it's not that we, it's so hard, it's so difficult that we, you know, when God commands, in the Old Testament it was a little bit different. But the New Testament, the Lord doesn't command Without giving you a, a command you to do something without giving you the help that you need to uh, to accomplish it. In the New Testament, we all been all all born again children have indwelt. The Holy Spirit takes residence in us, and so we have the ability, we have the help from the Holy Spirit to obey the commandments. It, it makes it quite um, uh, natural uh, in a way, but it's a supernatural thing. But it makes it natural for us to just to do the will of God. It's just like uh, you tell a mom, uh, you know, uh, take good care of your uh, of that child. Take good care. Of well, that's what mom does, doesn't it? She takes. She does a child, and she loves that child. But you just tell her, take good care of your child. It's the same as uh, you know, as the children of God. Is obey. Obey the commandments or obey the laws of God. In a sense, it's something that we, uh, we, we want to do. It's our desire to do it. Uh, but there are times, I say, there are some struggles. Now, John talks about uh, overcome the world. Overcoming the world. It's another uh, problem. We live in a world that Lord Jesus Christ said in John chapter 16. So you are in a, you are in a world... But you are not of the world. That's that Christian position. We are in a world, but we are not of the world. We live in a world. We are surrounded by people, neighbors, and, and so on. We, we are influenced by the world system. But we are not of this world. We are, not, we are citizens of heaven. And that should, every Christian should uh, be aware of that. But the Lord Jesus Christ said, uh, be of good cheer. Because I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. So once we yield to him and obeying uh, uh, his, uh, his directives as the Spirit of God leads us, we have victory to overcome the world. And so he mentioned that, he said, in verses 4 and 5, he says, um, For what is born, whatever is born of God, overcomes the world. He talks, he talks, uh, he's talking about the world system. Um, the, the things that the world throws at us. 
uh, so once we are born of God, we have a help to overcome the world. And, and once we do that, we have victory. And that victory is our faith, the faith that we have in Christ Jesus. That we, remember what, where, where he started in verse 1, chapter, three verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Is that he, you, uh, whoever is born of God, whoever believes that Jesus Christ is uh, the Son of God, has been born of God. And so the, 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 the same faith that he's talking about, that we, the faith that we have to believe, the same faith uh, is that we have to exercise to overcome the world and the influence that we have in the world system. Unsaved people, people who are in the world, um, who have never been born of God, and perhaps maybe some of you here, that you never trusted Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior. Generally, unsaved people live for the world, for the moment. We live for the things present because they have no. Uh, where is it, where is the citizenship? It's here. Citizenship is in the world, and, and ultimately going to be uh, in the lake of fire. But for Christians, our citizenship is in heaven. And so we are here, but we are not. We, we don't belong here. Um, uh, we record Abraham, the life of Abraham. Abraham never built a house. <laughs> He always built a tent. He pitched a tent. Wherever he goes, he built a pitch a tent. And then when the time comes, it was easy for him to move the tent. And then he moves on. But uh, you have a lot. His nephew, the next thing you read in, uh, in, in Genesis is that Lot uh, dwelt. He built a house and he dwelt in it. And he became a citizen of Sodom. You can see the difference, right? Uh, it was uh, John Nelson Darby, J. N. Darby, was walking, was a traveled evangelist uh, and a, a preacher, and also was traveled through uh, Europe and preaching the gospel and, and teaching the word of God. He came to an, an estate, and a gentleman, very wealthy man, he took him along and he took him to his estate and showed him all the things that he has, and he has a servant, he had orchards, he had this, he had that, and, and, and it's a beautiful estate from human point of view. It was a wealthy man, he was a wealthy man, he has horses and, and, and servants and so on, and he showed Darby, this, 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 show him, this is what I'm doing here, and he showed him, I'm, I'm, I've done this here, and you can see it, and, I, and, and these are my plans for the future, and on and on and on, and he showed everything to Darby. He walked around, and, and then he asked Darby, what do you think? Ajay and Darby looked at him in the eye and he said, I think this word makes it hard for one to die. And certainly the man wasn't impressed. He wasn't impressed. He was disappointed. He thought that Darby was going, oh, keep it up. You're doing great work. You're going to be number one. If you keep it up this way. Darby looked at him and he said, this word, I think this word makes it hard for one to die. You're building your mansion here on earth. You have no plans to move on. Pitching your tent, uh, you're, not, you're not pitching tent, you, your mansion and everything is right here. It makes it hard. Um, Christians don't live like that. Whatever we do, we should keep in mind that our destiny, our destiny is in heaven. Our destiny is in heaven. 
and, and therefore we live in a world but we are not of the world and when we have that in, in view we would over, overcome the world we will overcome the world then he talks about verses 6 to 12 John tackles the, the subject of uh, the doctrine of faith the doctrine of uh, faith or the subject of faith and uh, verse 6 he says and this is he who, by, uh, who, uh, who came by water and blood now I understand from this uh, a portion it's very difficult there, are, there has been all kinds of comments made or suggestions be made about this uh, uh, part of the uh, of, of John's writing uh, he who came by water and, and by uh, blood and it, it bears witness and, and so on it's a bit difficult to read but if you take time to read it and analyze it you can understand uh, the, whole, the, the same spirit who wrote it also give uh, interpretation of it. So there, are, there have been many interpretations and I, have, I read several of them to see different views what people say about it. Um, some feel that the, uh, the, the water and blood uh, refers to the natural birth. You see when uh, ladies, when they have a baby um, of course there is always present, there is always blood and, and water at present when the baby is born but that's not what John is talking about here that's not what he's talking about here others will say that it represents the Holy Spirit of God uh, the, the water represents the Holy Spirit of God and the blood uh, represents um, uh, Jesus on the cross um, it's a little bit lacking if you keep in view or keep in mind what John is dealing with here about the uh, divinity and the humanity of Jesus Christ, which the Gnostic, uh, the Gnostic group were trying to, or the Gnostic cult were trying to separate, uh, then you know where John is uh, coming from or where he's going with this. But then others also think that um, uh, the, the, the water and the blood um, uh, represent um, the, when the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross. You see, when they crucify him, uh, or he shed his blood on the cross, right? But they also pierced his side, and water came uh, forth. So they make assumption that it could that it could, uh, that's what probably John was referring to, uh, that he came and uh, they shed blood, and he also uh, shed water, and uh, there are all kinds of uh, explanation here. But I think what he is trying to get here was this he was dealing with a, a Gnostics heresy the heresy of course we know what that means it, it, it's a, a, almost like a controversial uh, but he was dealing with it in a such a way that he says uh, it, the water was a symbol of Jesus baptism he came by water and by blood you see when he came uh, beginning of his ministry, he came here. He spent three, uh, 33 years on earth. The first three, uh, th- uh, the beginning of his ministry, he allowed himself to be baptized. He initiated baptism is an initiation to a public, uh, a public service, so to speak. And so, uh, uh, our brother read this morning the breaking of bread in Acts chapter two. And, he, uh, and Peter speaking to them, led by the Spirit of God, he said, uh, is, uh, repent and be baptized. 
Well, there are four communities in the in 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 book of Acts. Repent and be baptized. Those are Jews. Those Jews uh, had a covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus, with, with God. And they presented uh, the Messiah that God has promised. God sent the Messiah to them. They took him and they, uh, they first accused him and condemned him. And then they took him, they marched him from the, uh, from, uh, from the high priest court. They marched him all the way to the Gentile, Pilate. Pilate, uh, Pilate represented uh, the Gentile rule from Rome. And they said, here, you crucify, cru- uh, uh, we already condemned him, you crucified him. And Pilate said, <laughs> should, I, should, I, uh, should I crucify your king? And they said, no, we have no king but Caesar. If you let this man go, then you are not Caesar's friend. All we want you to do is what? Crucify him. So what they did is that they, uh, they deny the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah that God has sent to them. They deny him in public. And so, when the Holy Spirit came, and the gospel, uh, Peter and, and the apostles were preaching, they confronted the Jews and said, you did it in public, you deny the Messiah in public, you, to believe in him, yes, you can believe in private, but you also have to confess him in public. And so the Jews, uh, 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 the way for the Jewish mind, baptism, once they believe, they have to baptize in public. And to separate themselves from the rest of the Jews who said, let his blood be upon us and on our children. And so for a Jew, a Jewish community, uh, it was always believe and baptize, show forth that you are no longer part of baptism. Belief is a, is a private, right? It's an immoral thing that you believe toward God. But how do they, uh, the rest of the Jews know that they, they are, uh, you have believed? So allow yourself to be baptized. You separate yourself physically from them. So it was an outward expression. But when it comes to the, uh, the Gentiles in, in Acts chapter 10... Uh, and they were, had to believe and baptize before the Holy Spirit came upon them. Well, whereas in Acts chapter 10, the Gentiles, it was not so. The moment they believed in Colinius, the house, the Holy Spirit came upon them before they were baptized. And in, uh, in Acts chapter 8, when Philip preached to the, uh, to the Samaritans, who were the half mingle, half Jews and half Gentiles, uh, the same way. Then they have the, Holy, the believers, the, the apostles, have to embrace them before they were, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then in Acts chapter 19, uh, John's disciple, John, uh, John, uh, the, uh, John the Baptist, his disciples, uh, they said, we have, no, we, have be, we have believed, but we have no knowledge of uh, uh, being baptized. And they said, well, you have to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, they did that. And the Holy Spirit came upon them. So you can see there are four communities there. And, and here he's saying the same thing. The Lord Jesus Christ himself, he had no sin to confess. But he allowed himself because he, God was initiating him into a public ministry. And so he allowed himself to be baptized. And then when he was living, again, was not baptism was in his beginning of his ministry, public ministry. A, a, a baptism was not done in a secret. It was done in the public. 
In the same way, uh, when he was exiting from his public ministry, it was also done in public. And that's how they, uh, when they crucified him, he shed blood. So what is what John is trying to explain to the Gnostics? That he came by water and he exited in public ministry by blood. And the same way. Now the question is, have you been baptized? Perhaps you have believed. But have you been baptized? It's an important thing. It's, a, it's an obedience. It shows your obedience to the Lord that you believe. You allow yourself to be uh, baptized. And so the whole thing that, he, that John is dealing with here, uh, and this is what he's trying, uh, driving home, that he came by water as, as the beginning of his ministry, and he existed in public ministry by baptism. And all of us who have believed should follow the same, uh, follow our master. You can't call me master uh, when you don't do what I ask you to do. We, we should obey. So if you have believed, allow yourself to be baptized. It's an obedience. And the Lord will be pleased uh, to see you uh, uh, baptized. Then he talks about witness. Witness. What does a witness do? A witness do it does one thing. To testify of what you have seen or hear, right? That's what a witness does. Now, all of us uh, accept a witness every day. We accept witnesses of people. Uh, if we don't accept the witness of people that we know, we see them uh, daily, then there will be no comments. There will be no business uh, interactions. Uh, sometimes uh, we, we always say the word of mouth. Right, goes a long way. You know, when you have a product, you are pleased with it. Oh, you tell your friends, you tell your family, oh, this is very good. You need to get this. Oh, I use it and it's very good. It's a witness, right? You have used it, the product, and you know how good it is. So you want others to have the same. Well, we take the witness of men and women. But mind you, men and women, we have our limitations. We can lie in a way some of the products sometimes you, you might find it really good it might not be <laughs> uh, you know the quality might not be as, as perhaps you know sometimes you buy a product and you can uh, you know what has been written and what this product should do but once you use it you realize that mm, that's not what it said it should be doing uh, maybe I should return it and get my money back right that's the witness of men Men can fail, but God cannot. The witness of God is higher. In, uh, in uh, Titus chapter 1 and verse uh, 2, it says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. And so the witness of God is, is based on his character. God cannot lie. And so when God bear witness uh, at the beginning of the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father was there, the Son was there, and the Holy Spirit came upon the Lord Jesus Christ and He said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Obey Him. Listen to Him. So that was the witness of the Father. And the Father cannot lie. If you, you can check it out in Hebrews chapter 6, in verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. And there too, you have it. God cannot lie. And so when we, uh, the witness of God is very, very important here. And that he appeared that this is the Son of God. 
And so John is trying to deal with the Gnostics that they need to believe in the witness of, uh, if they accept the witness of men, they also need to accept the witness that God has built uh, of his son. And that is a, the bulk part of his message here. And then uh, we come to uh, verses uh, 12 and 13 and, and so on. He, he deal with it. Uh, again, it seems like a, he brings back again. Uh, it's a he who uh, has the son. Not he who will have the son. No, he who may have the son. But he who has possessed. There's a profession and there's a possession. Right? So you can profess to be saved. You can profess to have Christ. And that's a profession. But to possess it. I possess eternal life. I know him. I, 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 I know him as my personal Lord and Savior. And he has a son. He who has a son has uh, he who has a son has life. Can you get it better than that? No. You have everlasting life. And, say, and, 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 and the opposite. He who does not have the son doesn't have life. But, but, but even that is very difficult. To reject the Lord Jesus Christ is a very dangerous. Because you, have, you, know, you, you are saying that God is a liar. You, you're making God a liar. Not God, God is, but you're making him a liar. Because he has opened open heaven's window and had declared to the whole world that this is my beloved son. And you say, no. I don't believe in him. I don't. So basically you're rejecting God and you're making him a liar. It's a very serious crime. And so that's why we, we have it. John drive it home. And the question, and, and verse 13, I like the word no. He said, therefore, uh, these things are written to you, that you may know, uh, uh, written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know, not you may think, not you may guess, that you may, uh, but you may know that you have everlasting life, eternal life. Being saved requires a knowledge and faith. You have to have the knowledge to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God as God has presented Him. And to place your trust in Him, you have it, the assurance. I like it when the kids were quoting the verse. It's very, very precious to see a lot of children uh, learning. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, from the childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation. Keep on teaching the children. It's not easy, but that someday God will use them to bring them up in a way that will bring glory to Him. And so the conclusion, uh, our time is gone, and uh, please bear with me as uh, I'm concluding, uh, John uh, concluded the message here. Uh, it, the, the difficult part, uh, verse here, and let me touch it briefly, he says that um, there is a sin. He talks about if anyone... Um, if anyone's uh, uh, now, this is the confidence we have in verses 14 down to uh, 15, and uh, uh, it gives us confidence. Once we are saved, we can easily ap- approach the Father. In Hebrews chapter 4, we are told that let us have boldness to come to the throne of grace. The boldness that it wasn't available in the Old Testament. Remember Esther, the Queen Esther, the king has to extend his uh, even his own wife 
the king has to extend his, uh, his uh, rod or, uh, to her and for her to come and touch the end of it, meaning she was accepted, she was welcome to come to his presence. How difficult it was, was it? But today we don't have that. The Lord Jesus Christ had made access to the Father's presence. And so we can approach uh, the throne of grace with confidence. And, and, and that's what he talks about here, that we can pray, come to know, uh, come to the presence of the, of the Father and pray. And we know, we have confidence that he will hear us and answer according to his will. But then, it talks, uh, verse 16 down, he talks about uh, the sin, certain sin. There are sins that are not uh, leading to death. And now our time is gone, but otherwise we could have spent some more time to talk about those things. But there are sins that lead to death. And this word is driving home. And then there's certain sin uh, that, um, uh, verse, particularly verse um, 16, end of verse 16, says, I do not want, uh, I say to you that he who uh, you should not pray about that. There are certain sins that you should not pray about it because uh, to pray for the person, if you see the person committing it, don't bother. You recall in Jeremiah, in Jeremiah's days, God told him, Jeremiah, don't pray for these people. Don't pray for these people. I'm done with them. The, uh, uh, the, the judgment is already uh, subtle. So don't bother praying for these people. Well, this is what the apostates were doing. Uh, Gnostics were apostate. Apostate is the person who have come to know something about the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Judah Iscariot. He knew all about Jesus. He knew all those things. He accepted the scriptures and, and so on. But then he makes his decision that I, I, I don't want it. Then in, in turn, turns against it and they try to oppose the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. John said, don't bother praying for that person. It, it is... There's nothing there for him. That's what you read in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. If a person does that, he crucified the Son of God over and over again. There's nothing there for him. Don't bother praying for him. That, and there's, uh, many Christians struggle with this, uh, that perhaps this is an unparable sin. Well, we cannot commit unparable sins today. Uh, but it says in apostate, uh, that you, uh, you cannot pray for apostate because he, he's not going to change. He already made his decision. He sealed his doom. And therefore, don't bother praying for that person. But as a believer, commit uh, error. You see a brother, you know, dear brother, dear sister doing things that are not right. And, you know, you can pray for that person and pray with the Lord that the Lord will convict. And then, and, and then you win your brother and win your sister back. And so there are sins that, we, you know, when we see our sister, our brothers and sisters fall into uh, some sin, we can pray for them. But when someone... Uh, take a stand and make it obvious and opposing what he knows to be true from the word of God don't bother praying for that person that's what he, uh, John is talking about here and then uh, the last uh, last verses uh, he talks about the, um, the knowledge that's, and we know and we know that the son of God has come that that he has given us understanding and victory to overcome the world. Uh, and so, uh, it's a sure knowledge. John is just bringing uh, the, the believers, uh, he, he just bringing home the knowledge they have in Christ uh, and the confidence they have in him, uh, as opposed to the false teachings that were going on out there. 
anyone, uh, then the last verse that uh, he talks about little children, keep yourself from idols. He's not talking about just an uh, idol that a statue that someone has set before him and so on. Uh, but you see, Gnostics, they, uh, they, they, they thought they had a superior knowledge. Uh, and they, so the teachers, the leaders, they considered the leaders as uh, people uh, with a spirit, uh, superior knowledge. And they kind of worship, the, uh, worship them. And then we have people today, preachers and so on, who think that they, are, they have a, a superior knowledge and so on. And people, uh, you know, they, they, they buy their books and everywhere they, they, they say they, they just grab them like that without questioning. Um, they become an idol in a way. And so on, as a lot of children, keep yourself from idol. Idol can be anything that takes the place of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. But it says, keep yourself from that. Make the Lord Jesus Christ be your all in all. And so, um, in the conclusion of this uh, passage, uh, this chapter is a very, very important. Let, uh, uh, what he's saying is that keep Christ in your focus. And, 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 and when Christ is in our focus, and it's our all in all. We won't question uh, and follow uh, the teachings of uh, the false uh, people who knock at our doors and promote false teachings. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word. It's a sharper than two-edged sword, a piercing the souls and revealing things that it should be revealed. We thank you for what has been written here for us. There were people that in the days of John who has a, uh, supposedly had a superior knowledge, but we are thankful that by the Spirit of God, the uh, cover was, op- uh, was flipped, and we knew them who they were. Now today we live in a world that indeed is a bit difficult, with all kinds of teachings frying around us. But nevertheless, we have the sure word of God that we can rest upon and the Lord Jesus Christ who said I am the way, the truth and the life no man comes to the Father but by me help us to focus on him and, and that we might not keep ourselves our eyes on idols surrounding us thank you for our time together in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ Amen